I blow a lot of guys, but I said, take the hooks off. Just trust me. Did you just say you blow a lot of guys? <laughs> I thought it was- <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're brains. <laughs> everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Deep Drop. Uh, this is Luke McCredden and Adam Ring. This is, I'm just putting it straight out there, Ads. This is who we are. Now, if you haven't heard this show before, we're a couple of blokes who have spent a lot of time together in the fishing industry, tackle industry, retail industry, whatever you want. But we've also spent a lot of time together on the road or in a boat talking about fishing. This is what The Deep Drop podcast is about. It's pretty straightforward. Do you know what? That's probably the most simple yet most fitting explanation. Because it's kind of exactly what it is. It's always a challenge. It's always a challenge off the top of every episode. I'm like, do we? How how do we explain it? And a lot of people say, oh, you know that your intro when you try and explain that, you know, the show. I'm like, no, no that's legit, genuine. Like, I, can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't work out how to explain it. So. It's it's very much that. So those of you that are that have been along for the journey so far, thank you so much for sticking around. And if you haven't caught up with all the episodes, I urge you to go back through and have a listen. We have a lot of fun with it. We do like to talk seriously about fishing from time to time as well. But we ultimately just we, we talk love shit. the sport. We talk shit. That's what we do. We but do. we have fun with it. That's what it's all about. However, we do uh, have situations where we get to talk to great people. We love to incorporate uh, the listeners. We get a lot of feedback on Instagram ads that often are setting us straight. Yeah, uh, and hey, all for it. Happy to be wrong from time to time. Others, others just sort of simply give us their thoughts on particular topics that we raise. And that, for me, is what it's all about. It's not about you and I, you know, having the answers. It's, it's quite literally, I'm learning. I'm learn, I've learned through this whole process of the deep drop and continue to do so. We've been lucky enough to do yes. a live show. Where we, which was just great, being able to do it with, um, you know, what, 60, 70 people yep. in the room or it might have been more in the end, I can't remember. And uh, that's a good segue actually because we get to do it again. Now, in a bit of a shorter format ads, but I just wanted to throw it out there and hopefully there's a lot of people that are planning on going already. But Adam, you and I, with the deep drop, will be at the Melbourne Boat Show um, coming up in, well, not too long at all, it's only a couple of weeks away, really. So Saturday, the twenty eighth of October, is when we'll be there. Um, no doubt, we'll spend a few hours just roaming around, looking at boats that we can't afford. <laughs> Correct. Uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, I know the boys from Win Against Tide will be there. They'll have a booth, so we'll probably just sit on their booth. Hopefully, they've got lots of food and some beers, we'll and we'll be just them. indulging. Yep, heckle them the whole time. They're trying to record a podcast. But but the Saturday <laughs> afternoon, you, we'll actually be hitting the stage ads. Um, about 4.30 I think is the time that we're sort of going to be on stage I believe we've been bumped by Merv Hughes so Ooh, yeah. I've got to, I'm have going to have to have a fucking word to <laughs> I, I'm, I know you, you know you're a cricketing icon mate but it's, you know it's time you know just, just stay in your lane no I'm joking <laughs> Merv's great I know Merv quite well we've uh, done a, in another life in another version of a different podcast he came on my podcast and we had a ball of a time so anyway um, 28th of October, Saturday afternoon. That's when you and I will be there. It's obviously Melbourne Docklands. There's going to be the latest in boating, marine tech, watercraft, sports. Everything you can think of that is boating will be there. But obviously, fishing plays a big part in that. So there's going to be quite an element of fishing stuff there for people to go and 
have a look at and play with. The beauty of it is it's free. It's free. And if you are around that time, we'd love for you to come and join us because we are going to tackle some of the heavy hitting questions, Luke. And the point of being able to do it live in that format is to directly get your feedback. So put your thinking cap on, put your shit talking cap on, come and see Luke and I. Uh, up on stage at the Melbourne Boat Show. We will ask the questions. We will give you our shitty little take and then we'll get you to give us the real answer. So, Luke, I think it's going to be loads of fun. It is. And, you know, a lot of people sort of get a bit, oh, I don't want to speak up or put my hand up or anything, those sorts of events. The beauty is, Adam, you and I are more than happy to say that we don't know about something or, or we're shit at something. Yep. So if, if you need a bit of comfort, we will probably straight off the top of the show tell you how bad we are. Um, we probably have to keep the language down a little bit. So if you want to bring kids, bring them along. Oh, it'll be gonna... G-rated. G-rated. <laughs> it'll be okay. Strictly G-rated. So free tickets, book them now. Go to the Melbourne Boat Show website, uh, book your tickets. We would absolutely love nothing more than to see a whole heap of pe- uh, deep droppers there. To come and have a bit of fun with us and, and stick around. We'll, we'll obviously hang around for a bit and have a chat. So we're going to record it too. Yep. So if you want to be part of the show, that's there's, your, there's your chance. Now, uh, this episode, absolute buzz for me. I've been really excited about this one. Um, this is a guy that has been part of my fishing journey for decades, I'm going to say, because early on... Uh, ads and, and in when you and I were working in a tackle store, we also were part of a radio show back then and and brett geddes was an absolute go-to when we needed some reports or some info uh around estuary fishing in east gippsland um and to this day he still is very much a go-to i know you speak to him fairly regularly yep he's still the go-to for everything gippsland spends a hell of a lot of time on the water experimenting catching plenty of fish this was, mm. yeah, this this is going to be a really good one, Luke, because we'll, Brett's notorious for us cutting him off on radio. As soon <laughs> as he starts getting into it, we tell him we're out of time and we move him on. I think mm. this format's really going to suit him. Do you remember, throwback, do you remember Russell Hanby from, <laughs> yes. from KC Radio, yes, 97.7 FM, Sound of the Southeast? Um <laughs> Shout out to those days, Ads. It was a blast. But remember, Russell behind the panel would be having a hard time trying to <laughs> cut him off and tell us to cut him off so we can go to a commercial or whatever, yep. a break. And uh, But do you know what? Podcast format, baby. Don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about it's it. It's made just, for Brett Geddes. I'm going to say now I'm going to give him free reign, but we're probably going to have to rein him in at some point. Oh, we'll have to wrap him up at some point. <laughs> but I'm pumped about this because I haven't spoken to Brett for, you know, I'm going to say 10 years, maybe more. And... Uh, I love the guy, absolute gentleman of the industry, and let's just get into it. I am pumped. Let's do it. Brett Geddes, welcome to the Deep Drop. Fantastic to have you here. It has been some time, my friend, since we've caught up. It has been, Luke. I've been going back, I think it's 13, 14 years ago, I reckon I was chatting to you on the airwaves and that so, was uh, one of my first early stints doing a little bit of radio slash potty. I think you were nearly getting the podcast sorted. It was before then, his time, Brett. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was. Funnily enough, Adam, uh, it's been, what, you know, 12, 13 years and 
and in the last 12 and 13 years, my estuary fishing game has been really poor since I stopped talking to Brett. I don't know if there's a bit of <laughs> – I need you oh, back in my life, change. Brett. <laughs> oh, oh, you sound like a lot of ex-girlfriends. Mate, <laughs> mate your name is uh, a name that comes up frequently when Adam and I chat about estuary fishing in particular, estuary perch and brim and – um, there's no secret as to why that name, your name, does come up, mate. Is because I, I think it's fair to say, and you might, you're a very humble man, and you'll you'll back away from this, but you have just got that sort of fishing absolutely nailed. Is that fair, ads, to say that? I mean, I'm just don't want to embarrass the man, but <laughs> no, it's more than Bring it's it. more than fair, and I think a little bit of context has to go into this too, because it's one thing to know that someone has got something wired. But what makes this man so special is he's not afraid. If you talk to him, he's happy to talk about it. There's a lot of people in this game, and not not just in estuary fishing, but in all forms, whether it's offshore, whether it's freshwater, whether it's the estuary stuff, even as something as popular as Snapper in the Bay, you get these little clicky groups that like to keep things to themselves. I 100% respect it. I don't 100% of the time agree with it, but I do respect it. But Brett, I want to open this podcast by saying thank you because you're one that's always been happy to talk about it. And that's really cool because the two species that I dare say we'll spend a lot of time talking about on this podcast in Brim and Estuary Perch are right up your alley. They're two species that do get stuck into a little click of, I know, we don't discuss. <laughs> we don't discuss those two species. So, Brett, I thank you because you've been a huge inspiration of help to me over the years just with something as simple as information. So, mate, welcome to the Deep Drop. And Luke and I are very excited to have you because we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, look, I'll go, I'll go deep if I have to. <laughs> but I mean, um, <laughs> when it comes to let's – get, let's get to the point here that – that perch mafia thing, right, going way back. Now, I would have been one of the instigators, no worries, right? But here's what I got. It, Yeah, I kept it swampy and I was worried about the fish getting slaughtered and killed and, you know, perch, are, they're vulnerable. Luke, even you know this. If you can find the perch, you will catch them. They're not a hard-to-catch sort of thing. And, you know, there are species that... Uh, have hurt me in the sense that if I have opened up to a certain few people, you know what? They went and stacked eskies and that, it, it mortified me. But I got to learn that that was such a minority, right? And they were the ferals and it was going back a long time now. And so what I've discovered is it's one thing to even know where they are, but even when I go, they beat me. So, and I kept thinking to myself, what, Really, what am I worrying about? Um, and it's not to say that I give up me honey holes uh, at a drop of a hat because some places, to me, they're, they're a treasure. And some places have been found by others and have been passed on to me and they've said to me, Brett, now, please don't go and fuck this up and tell everyone. <laughs> and, I, you know, and I go, okay, yeah, that's cool. So th- there's those spots and there's – but ads, I, I've come to realise that you know, I put people in front of perch when they're with me, and sometimes they just don't get them, and, and I, th- I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's something we often come back to when we talk about any sort of fishing and and being a bit secretive about it or whatever. And 
I think at the end of the day, you still got to be able to catch them. And that's kind of the thing we always come back to. And, and yes, you know, as you say, if you do happen to find a fish like a perch, I mean, snapper are the same sometimes. Kingfish can be the same. Once you find them, they're quite often, I won't say easy, but you can get them to chew if they're stacked up and ready to feed. But yeah, but the the end game is you've, you still have to be able to do it. So you've got to have the tackle, a bit of a, a bit of nous to be able to do it and a bit of finessing sometimes. So... I think it's great, and I think that uh, I, I agree with Adam. I think one of the reasons that we've always loved having you on various radio shows or podcasts, Brett, is because you've got a massive amount of um, knowledge to share, and you do share it. And and you know, as you say, you've got your spots that you don't give away, and that's fine. I'm completely comfortable with people 100%. like that. And going back to your point, if you've had an experience where you've said, hey, Adam, come and check out this spot, and then I see Adam with an esky full of that fish, you're kind of like, oh, thanks, mate. I've got to tell you, that only ever happened once. I'm yeah. not that slow a learner. So that's, that's what really got that, you know, that swampy bit sorted. But, uh, but you know, those – also with brim, it's – these two species, they, they're never-ending quests for me, like – you know, the perch have done so much for me. They're just so exciting. I, Adam, you've sort of probably sensed this with us talking recently that I've I've got this renewed sort of vigour, you know. I've, I'm really fired up just finding perch in really weird places <laughs> and sending short little videos to mates, as you've seen these. Um, and, and some of my mates are saying, what, what do you mean you got him in 30 centimetres of water and then you went and found him in five metres in the same day? I, I did move about 14 odd k's, whatever. But it, it's Port Albert Estuary. What I'm getting about at is with these perches that this is brand new for me, Luke. And for that species to do that for me, this late in my quest for char- – I mean, I go back to the book and I say, oh, I know fuck all about perch. If this is what's going on t- today. Isn't that a great thing, though? This is why, wow. we, why fishing in general is just so fantastic. It's and the it's, greatest thing ever. It's the best. You can never master it. And you yeah. can, someone like yourself, that, that's the prime example. And I'll use that example when, if, when we're talking about this in other conversations. If someone like yourself, Brett, who are fairly well, and I'm sure you've done loads of other fishing, but you know, you've put a fair bit of time and effort over the last x amount of years uh on mm. perch mm. and brim and to the, the fact that you're up and about now still saying they mind fuck you sometimes i think oh. that's magnificent <laughs> I, I mean lose sleep type of stuff thinking <laughs> when can i adam when can i get back there when can i oh the tide's gonna be rooted that day i can't go then look at the wind oh weekends i can't the people will be seeing me and then i'm thinking oh calm down calm the farm <laughs> You know, I used to think I'm going to die tomorrow about 30 years ago. That's why <laughs> I fished so hard, fish three and four days a week, because I kept on saying to myself, I ain't going to live forever. Right. So five years ago, I leave work and I say, now I can start fishing. And, and the <laughs> missus says, wait a minute, you're fishing 120 to 130 days a year. I'm looking at your diary sometimes, you know. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, but... But I could still die tomorrow, you know. So <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to get shit done. Yeah. So uh, that's the fanaticism. That's where I don't know that I'm a very bright fella. It's just that I've put so many, many hours chasing these mainly perched. Brim, 
Bremer a seasonal thing for me. They go for like six months of the year, uh, Luke, when they're easy to catch because they do become, and I'm sure you're aware of this, they just put the finger up. and they, it, it, <laughs> It's about four or five months of the year, really. Yeah. Um, so I just say, too hard. No, time to go perch and flat out. But the good thing about that is where I'm catching perch, I've got rock flathead on tap. I've got the, I've got the yank flats. I've got now snapper moving in, living next door to perch. So I don't get so fixated on having to catch X amount of perch for the day mm. like you did early days. I, oh, you know, sometimes I'll round up a dozen or yeah, sometimes thirty or forty, whatever, maybe five. Maybe not five, but then I say, I'll leave them go. That, that's cool. I might come back at the other end of the tide, see what happens. And I'll go chasing snapper. And, and, and so that's the beauty of perch too, is that they live in places where some pretty cool other critters live. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I, as you're speaking, Brett, I'm just having these flashbacks to the old radio days where, and I know now, the, I now remember the exact feeling I used to have when I was talking to you. All I want to do is go get in the car and drive out to where you are, and I want to I want to just pick your brain on the water and it adds and I'll leave it with you for a minute because I know you've got a bunch of questions, but all I'm sitting here thinking is this podcast would go for seven hours if we if we wanted Easy. to <laughs> easily. Oh, mate! Oh, it's I the love only it. other thing I'm good at is talking. Luke. That's, all, <laughs> that's about it, you know. There's not much else in this world. I'm, Brett Getty's resume, catching perch and talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yapping his freaking head off. <laughs> love it, love it. But he, uh, and Brett, what, what's really interesting me at the moment are these perch that are schooled up in deep water because for me who I, – I, I love the theory part of fishing as much as I enjoy the actual practical part of it. Yeah, I, I love too. trying to yes. put the pieces of the puzzle together in my brain and then seeing if that actually happens out on the water. And it's yeah. really not that it's really not that easy yeah. because I think I've said this before on this podcast, fishing's a funny thing because it's really quite amazing how quickly theory goes out the window <laughs> as soon as you hit the water because there's just so yeah. many factors that you can't take into place. Now, this deep water thing, this is I it's actually hurting, hurting my brain because <laughs> oh, I, I'm thinking, cool. I, and, and I have, and I have fished recently for perch near home. Yeah, I didn't I catch know. him. Mm. I didn't catch him, and okay. all I could think of when I got back was, I'm ringing Brett. <laughs> I, I I went up when I should have gone out. Yes, I got. I know about this. I've heard already. And you just think, <laughs> what? Are, like, what yeah. am I? What am I doing? And it's because you get daunt. You sit there and you're like, I know where they're going to be. Yeah. The channel hits the mangroves here. I've got an outgoing tide. Everything. They're in spawn mode. They're going to start pushing down the system. I know exactly where they're going to be. And there's nothing more demoralizing than being humbled so badly <laughs> by a fish that you think you've got worked out for this specific time of year. And I am happy to say I do not have them worked out as much as the man we're speaking to here in Brett Geddes. Yeah. I don't have them worked out to the point that some of these other elite estuary fishermen out there have. But I thought at this time of year I did have them worked out and I went yeah. and yeah. they weren't there. And I was there with, I saw two other people there who are a hell of a lot better fishermen than I am. They didn't catch them. Mm. And I thought, this is, this is really weird. 
because yeah. never would I ever have thought I've got to push out to five, six, potentially seven meters and try and find them. Is, is so? How, how did this happen for you, Brett? Did you did you sit back and think they've got to be out there? Or was it just a bycatch and you thought, hang on a second? Because perch are also the one thing for me. Unless you're fishing in an estuary for brim, you rarely, if ever, true. catch one by accident. And I, so true. this is one of the most amazing things about it. Let's take Western Port, a local waterway to us here. There's perch in all of the feeder creeks and rivers that lead into Western Port. If you can find one on Google Maps, I guarantee you at one point or another, it is going to hold estuary perch. How can that be yet a whiting fisherman or a pinky fisherman has never picked one up on bait? Yeah, you've really got to specifically target them. You've got to, isn't it? It is the one species, hey, it, you can get them bycatch when you're targeting brim. It's essentially same lures, similar snags, uh, same country. Yeah, look, it definitely it happens. Um, but to answer your question, it, it actually, it's pretty ugly. It really hurts because, Adam, I reckon I've been fucking up for years. <laughs> I mean, this is the first time last week. It was last Tuesday, I reckon. I've got it documented here on on me diary. And where it was, I fish Port Albert all the time. I fish, um, I fish down where, um, where our good buddy Luca Netta nets a lot, you know, so I'm... And so Welsh pools, and if you had to give me a pin and say, put it on the map where Estuary Perch Central is, it it wants to go to Anderson Inlet, and it wants to say, well, that's where probably the biggest biomass of big of, of perch live, sorry, and some big, a lot of little ones, as we know. But I'm always swinging back into Welsh pool, and that's what I've discovered over the years. So here I am, just like you, I'm thinking I've got these perch sorted and on this particular trip, the last one I did down there, I'd caught them prior in certain areas and favourite little honey holes. They they were there and I found them and they turned up and they were, thank you, Mr. Reaper, you you behaved yourselves today. You where were exactly <laughs> where I thought you'd be. So back I go and I was, yeah, you know, a little bit pumped up thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to get a dozen. If I went home and I didn't, when when would I be sad at how many I didn't get? Like, if it, would I go home sad if I got five? No, because it could be one big one. And sometimes you've got to be taught a lesson. But here I am at my favourite spot. Number one, nothing. Cool. Got honey hole number two. Off I go to that spot. Now, this one always produces, always has a couple of donuts, but oh, I reckon 30, 40 times more. Very rare. And sometimes up to 60, 70 perch with a mate. Um, slow. Hang on. Very slow. Oh, I mightn't quite be on that weed bed there. Um, slow. Nah, they're not here. Oh, jeez, these perch. And I smiled. I still loved them. They beat me. I say, <laughs> okay, you bastards, you win. All right, cool. Well, I'm not going to waste the day. Too good a day. I'm going to... I've got a blade on this other rod. I'm going to drop that down. I'm going to try and get these early rock flatties because they're my favourite on the fang. How good are they? Mm. So down goes the blade, jig, 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 nothing much. No clunk. Oh, that's no, oh, toady. Minus fish. Minus one for the day. This is a good start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And then dropping a bit further, I said, oh, go out. These Rockies might be out really deep. So out into the middle of the channel, and I'm thinking, gee, that's a long way down. And it didn't get to the bottom. I'm thinking, salmon. Salmon deep, that's weird. Well, it's not that weird. Shit, that's a heavy salmon. That's not a fight. That's, what's weird? What's it? Holy shit, that's a, <laughs> what's a big perch. 43, first one. <laughs> Hang on a minute. EP never live by themselves. That bit we know. So light bulb moment, and then the panic sort of sets in, and I'm thinking, how many are down there? No sounder. I didn't don't often take the sounder down to these areas. I don't sort of need it. I fish certain areas, and okay, pictures, quick vid. Got to send this to the boys, right? And then down goes a soft plastic. I'm thinking if there's more there. I'll be more inclined to pick them up on a softy, pretty heavy head, about an eighth. Down it goes, a bit of a cast into the current, pull it down. Second, third and fourth casts, all perch. And, yeah, I didn't have a sound, but I can tell it was five, I reckon it's at least five metres, right? And I'm going, man, all these years I have been trying to target X spot there, there and there, why haven't I been trying out here? And so I I got to remember back, did I get 14 or 11? But, but doesn't matter. They're all big fish. And I could tell they were close to spawning because a few of the bigger 41, 42s, they're actually males. And that was another freak for me. I've always thought under 40s were all the males, 38s and whatnot, and all the girls were sort of, you know, 40 plus. Um and we don't kill enough to find out because we don't open them up and see, well, they're gonads and all the rest. But here are these 42 centimetres and they're dripping on me lap and I'm thinking, these things are breeding. Hang on. These females I've put, and these were bigger females, big bellies on them, and there's even eggs dripping from the females. And I'm going, okay, more learning here. <laughs> they're actually at it. Maybe they're at but and they're still feeding. Yeah. So I don't know how many were there, but I got—I reckon I got a fourteen that that particular time. Yeah, it would have been, I think. Anyway, is there Hank, is there learning a possibility? Well. Yeah, is there a possibility with something like that that you know we know that animals in general can change their movements and patterns about and what they do and how they do it? Is there potential that it's something new for them? Like I know that you say you probably haven't tried out there all that often, but you know, for for a couple of your honey holes to miss and then they're all of a sudden out there, is it something potentially that they're doing differently as well for whatever reason, whether it's environmental or it's you know changing of certain, you know, shifting of certain sand or weed beds or something that's actually driving them out a bit deeper, or do you think it is something that you we just haven't or you just haven't really tried at this up until this point? Yeah. Um... There's no short answer to that because I kept pondering and I kept thinking, but I actually do fish deep because I'm looking for snapper and, and other stuff and for flathead. And I'm even, you know, I know that some of the big flatties down there hold in this deeper channeled water. So when I look back, I, I, I have actually fished a fair bit in deep water, but I reckon, Luke, you're onto something in the sense that I I think it's an early spawning season because it's usually October, November. This was in early September when I first found them, but in this deep part, uh, so it was a week ago, week and a half ago. Um, and water temps are up. 
this is, I think, part of the trigger. I'm not used to looking for them um, in the breeding season deep. So when I do go looking for them, I'm always targeting those areas. I know that they congregate and it's, you know, it's it just it is certain areas and they're just nearly always there, but they're never that deep. They're sometimes in maybe two metres, maybe three, maybe, quite often not. Mm. And they're on certain tides too. They're, on, they're always on the outgoing, always on the dropping. And so it could be a new-ish thing and I've, I've got so much water to cover to test this theory. <laughs> but, Luke, I'm going to run out of time because the breeding season will very shortly ra- wind up and yeah. who knows what this rain's going to do for all those estuaries. And yeah, so true. it's going to be another – it may take a couple of years. Uh, like I say, I hope I live long enough to find out. But <laughs> I'll be oh. trying my best. As I said before, I love the fact that someone who's done it so well for so many years is still stumped by – a particular species, mate. I think it's. I think it's great to hear because it, it keeps you on your toes oh. and it opens up. Yeah, it makes everyone else think a bit more as well. You know, it's not that simple. Um, I, I love estuary perches as a species. Certainly, haven't caught anywhere near the vicinity you have, Brett. But I remember my first experience. I reckon was with you, Adam. I reckon we were casting ciglets over very shallow water um and that was my first i think it was uh thereabouts uh, many moons ago yeah but i find them a very addictive species you obviously got hooked and addicted quite some time ago brett what can you can you put your finger on what it is about nestry perch that just makes you go this is what i'm doing for the next 20 years <laughs> um yeah i can tell you all right because there are species that are caught in the surf. They're caught in uh, fresh water, as we know. And and the stocking of impoundments now has has sort of – it's demafiarized. It's a word. Um, <laughs> EP, they've become a – they're a common thing now, aren't they? Everyone's sort up with perch. They're not that – you know, the mafia thing was all big because no one was really doing a lot of perching. But now I find it, I'm sort of relaxed and relieved that they're out. They're sort of, you know, they've come out of the closet, if you like. But I got hooked so early is because you could get big numbers of them, Luke. You could, and and they're, and they're big, handsome fish, you know, yeah. and coming off um, so many years fly fishing for trout, um, they're so fucking hard, trout. Those things <laughs> just ignore flies and they just, I love it. The challenge is great. The rewards are there. And when you get four or five big trout and you catch a four-pound brown in skinny water on a Monaro stream, you come home and you say, I'm the king of the world. But it's only one freaking fish. And it's sort of, it's good. It's cool. And I love it. And they're the prettiest fish in the world. But here's perch. They live on my doorstep. I don't have to drive all them k's to go up and fish like Lake Guthica and all those little impoundments that are above the Jindabind. I got so involved with trout and I, I, I miss them dearly too. But perch took over, mate, because, you know, you, you can get the, yeah, they get big scores and that's keeps me going, mate. When you catch a lot of fish, I love numbers. I love catching lots of fish that don't always have to be big. Big's not really my thing, to be honest. I, I just love tricking fish. And if I can trick 40 or 50 perch for a day, I, I don't care. I don't care what size. Size doesn't matter. And I think you can only say that when you've caught a lot of big ones, by the way, because it'll always be a quest if you haven't. But 
So that was probably the greatest allure, Luke, is that, you know, they lived at Bem. You can go to Tamburn and find them. I used to go to places like Wingen and and discover even Betka River. First time I went there, like 80 perch, first time I've been there. And I just say, oh, freaking out, this, this, this fish is just wonderful. It, and it's been kind to me because it's pretty much wherever I've gone to look, I found them. So, and in some weird shit places too. But uh, <laughs> I reckon that's the number one hook, if you like, yep. is that. Uh, and but you got to admire them. They're they're a bit bit like flathead. I reckon they've got this dinosaur look about them. Don't you reckon they've got these Absolutely. big heads and the eyes and they've like the big shoulders, the the, the yep. strong muscular body and. I think yeah. there's something really unique about the just just visually the look of them. We've been fortunate enough to get into some over where down on the Ballerine Peninsula down here, Brett, and there's a couple yeah, of good. little systems that, that hold good numbers and they just uh yeah, I think you're you're spot on there. I'll never get sick of looking at them. They're a great looking fish. Yeah, and they take all sorts of lures presented, surface inclusive, which we love, don't we? The visual fish and we know that. Um but they'll take hard bodies and they'll take the and and they they just and they they're they're a big enough challenge. They're not like dizzy salmon. At times, yeah, you can stack numbers, and when you find them, you can really catch a lot of them. But the other thing is that, boy, they shut down pretty much <laughs> like brim, and a lot in the Tarwin where you can have them stacked up in winter, and you can be uh, in and for my sake in the kayak peddling over like nearly half a kilometre of them. And you cannot get a one, and they are fully stacked. Um, and you're thinking, what the hell? Got to trick some. What's the? Oh, change a tide? No, that didn't work. And water's too cold. Get come back another week. And sometimes it happens, and you get the big numbers. But mm. oh, I don't know. See, I'm getting carried away again already, mate. <laughs> I, I, I get it's like, good, mate. I love the enthusiasm. Oh. Well, Shit, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've got a problem, but I think it's a good one. Well, Brett, there's something else I want to throw at you. Because on this podcast, Luke and I have tried to answer some ridiculous questions. I loved them. I've been listening. And I want to, there's, there's a couple that I want to bring you in on because you've done some things in the past. Now, so for a bit of backstory to everybody listening that don't know Brett Geddes, my introduction to him was very, very long time ago, my early days working in the tackle shop, and he was the guy that fished in a kayak with, I believe they were nitro rods at the time, so rods that were, say, yeah. anywhere between, oh, Luke, you know, you worked with them recently, anywhere between, what, 250 and 400 bucks? 400, yeah. Yep. Yeah, With an IX2000 Shimano reel on it, which retails <laughs> yeah. for a humble 1995. I um, got them as low as 15. Yep. So, <laughs> so there's that. But the one thing that really stood out to me is Brett would take these beautiful little hard bodies fishing for brim and he'd go and slap some bright pink fucking nail polish on them. He'd hang split shot off the back treble to fuck the actions on them. <laughs> Front trip. and and it, and it leads me to this question, Brett. Luke and I have tried to tackle our fishing lures getting too realistic. 
Now, from someone who not only gave the middle finger to that theory but thought, I'm going to see how much I can fuck them up and still catch fish, are fishing lures still too realistic? They, um, oh, this is a, you knew this is my favourite subject. This, this is one of my favourite things. It's, it's one of my favourite things oh. because this industry gets so funny and I, and I yeah. love it so much. We get so tied to that that one lure or that one style that just does it for us and everyone does things a little bit differently and then every now and then you get a gem that goes, nah, nah, you're all overthinking it. Watch this. I'll paint this thing pink and I'll put split shot and, uh, and you know, lead putty all over it trying to mess the action up a little bit more. I want it to sink like a stone. I want it to swim upside down and I want to show you that I can still catch the hardest. Brim, you, you said it yourself, oh. Brim, you can't catch Brim. For six months of the year, because there can be that funny. Yet you oh. went so far in the direction of making it hard for yourself and still caught them. So how does that work? Yeah, it's a, it, it comes from a long history. It started with me fly fishing because my old man used to tie up these beautiful, intricate flies. They were absolutely works of art, and I could I could make them too. I could, not quite as good, but in the end, I found. Long story short. Um, that I could tie up a beetle pattern out of black foam, right? And I didn't need deer hair legs on it. All it was, it was about the size of my thumb. I made them in the end. I found out that was the critical size to get awareness from the trout. And they were that freaking ugly. There's nothing on them. There's no eyes. There's no legs. <laughs> a hunk of foam with a sort of bulgy looking head on it. But it would, And I used to whip them up and it took me like 30 seconds of a fly. And then I'd take them out and fish for them. And there's all these dries and, you know, these blokes with all the fancy gear on and the best flies and, and my shitty rods and crappy reels and fly lines all cracked. And I'm going out there with a big, stupid beetle and didn't always get them to the rising trout to duns and whatnot. I mean, I wasn't that stupid. Sometimes you have to really, you know, match the hatch. We know that saying. But quite often the black beetle splattered in amongst them it when you put your dry fly amongst 10 real ones they just they don't even go near it so splat black beetle and it just the heads just went what the look at that clunk and i started catching them but then the black beetle come in handy at night twitching it across the surface bloom 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 and that was so deadly on the browns and it was the ugliest fly in town i called it the exxon valdez that oil tanker, remember, because I called them oil tankers. I said, they look like black oil. So that was the start of my whole brain saying, fuck all these blokes saying you've got to have this bread. No, I know you cannot possibly put that on. You have to have a two-pound tippet and you've got it. And I said, oh, but I keep breaking them off. It doesn't make sense. I want to put 10 pound on. Well, you can't get the that line through the eye of the hook of some of these flies, you dickhead. And I'm going, well, I... <laughs> put these big black beetles and i seem to catch a lot of fish anyway so that's the start i could go on with that but i won't and when you transfer that brett you come and lure fishing i'm going to show you how to catch perch on lures oh well i better do that and a good mate michael fennessy was the first to show me and he said get the mcgrath lures mate they'll hurt your pocket they're 15 bucks each and i said oh well if i gotta have them i gotta have them and i went and bought like prince lures three for ten pink I love pink. I just looked at them and said, gee, at least I'll see them. 
<laughs> so that was a start and I caught fish on my first trip. And then when I realised they didn't sink, I made them sink. And then they all said they got no action, you dickhead. And I said, but I hang on, my, my catch rate's going through the roof. Um, has the industry got too fired up with really, you know, bling catches anglers? That's good. It, you guys have been in the tackle and are still in the tackle industry. And and i got to tell you, my great sponsor in Hurricane, I, I still maintain Naughty makes some absolutely magic lures. But when it comes to tinkering with my homemade stuff, if they start looking pretty, they're in the bin. <laughs> Some of them, I've got to ugly them up. I've got to, got to hang on to that tradition. And I did find ads, fair income, it, it has got nothing to do with how they look. I, I've nearly stopped putting eyes on some of these lures. And it, it, really, it's brim and perch. They're very opportunistic feeder. And sometimes I even found the more you make a lure look like the real thing, some real strange reason they won't eat them. Like the storm nipper. Remember that? Do you remember the storm nipper? nipper? I don't know why it didn't work. It's the best looking um, uh, bash yabby ever, ever produced. And it was just, just didn't work. I don't know. Mm. Maybe, maybe they do now. Hey, while we're on the lure conversation, I just wanted to ask something that we've seen a trend over the last few years with going big. So we've seen Murray cod, well, a lot of the freshwater species, flathead, you know, even whiting and some of the um, mullowet. Like we've seen this trend to go towards big, whether it's top water, whether it's subsurface, whether whether it's even soft baits, you know. I'm wondering how you've found that or if you've actually implemented that into your perch fishing or brim fishing for that matter. It's not something that I've probably heard people going big with. They're still sticking to the, mm. I'll say traditional, but I suppose the go-to sort of sizes when it comes to lure fishing for those species. Have you tried upsizing? Yeah, we we cut our teeth when I say we. Me and a couple of mates that got into the perching very early days, we, um, we just about lived uh, in, in, in casting um, the Strike Pro Galaxy Minnow. Now that's a ninety mil lure. It's a pretty big lure. It's got a, and you put the bib on it. That's like a hundred mil full, so, like the whole, the whole thing. Um, mm. And that was for perch. But we found so many brim grabbing that. And so, you know, to answer your question, I, I should probably go back to the bigger lures. And I am s- slowly swinging that way. Uh, the uh, Daiwa spikes. I've been using those a little. Yep. Um, and mainly because a mate of mine was using and he was braining them and he was getting them and and my uh, homemade hybrid was really suffering. I was getting like two or three brim and he was like stacking a dozen or 15. I'd be curious to and, see a result yeah. and be someone like yourself who can actually catch them. <laughs> Me and Ads would waste our time. But uh, using even something, you know, 120 mil, especially off of yeah. like the surface, there's some really nice top water lures now that are, being produced or brought in um, because people say that want to chase flathead, for example, are wanting bigger. They want yeah. to go bigger. And I'm just curious as to whether something that's 100 mil plus off the top would be oh, something the... that a perch would yeah. be aggressive toward or be a bit shied away from nah, because it's made perch too for much. sure, though. I've used big, um, yeah, big homemade um, poppers that I make myself. Um, yeah. Size like ninety mil, yeah, easy. Some of them, 
But I, I can answer your question. I've just bumped into like, this week, just gone into uh, an old buddy of mine, Jez Hawthorne, right? Uh, he was a he was an angler in need. His vehicle broke down. He bugged his clutch up and he needed a bit of towing. And he was close Oh, you to mean sail. his house? <laughs> he's his own. Yeah, I know. Oh, he's a ripper. And, and I said, can I help you out? Bloody oath I came out. I haven't seen you for ages. Yep, where are you? I'll come and get you. So, um, yeah, long story short, I've towed him here and I towed him there. And, we, and the vehicle's now getting fixed. But he's gone. He's had to abandon the home and leave it in a, a garage for someone to go and t- tinker with his home. He's getting Renault's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, and, and I says, Jez, now, now, before I tow you anywhere, I've got to start now catching up. What have you been doing? What, how you been going? What's... Uh, Mitch, he fills me in every now and again, and I do watch your weird and wacky short little um, vids that just blow me away. <laughs> they're, they are quirky, and sometimes they're, they're beautiful too. Sometimes they've got nature in them, but some of them are full-blown quirky, you know, and, and that's why I love <laughs> Jez always. Have. He really uh, thinks different. I says, tell me what you've been doing. And he said, well, in a nutshell, I've just been throwing cod lures at Brim. And I went, oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Okay. Yeah. Here, 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 here I'm thinking, you know, I do different shit. You know, I don't follow trends. I'm not a sheeple, not me, not B. Gettys. Uh, Jez goes five steps more than that. So he's throwing these big things. And I think at one point he was throwing like big rats, you know, like those cod rat lure things. Yeah. And, and he says, oh, you know, Brim smash them. He says, oh, I've got these big things, got big wings on the front of them, big lures, and I just keep throwing them out. And, oh, the Brim smash them. They're all over them. They're even jumping out of the water to grab them. And I'm saying, but they've, they've got to be big Brim to eat them. He goes, oh, yeah, some of them are real fucking big. And I'll go, <laughs> what, you mean 45 big? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, easy. He said, but 42s grab them as well. But they're big lures and then the fingers and the – it's almost like when you when you go big for fishing, you put your your two hands out. But when you when you go little, you put your two fingers out. But he's he's going to he nearly went to the hands to show me how big the lures were. But, <laughs> so for brim surface lures, and I reckon they're one hundred one hundred and fifty mil, and that's the yeah. I said, Jess, well, okay, what else? Because you know, there's so much to catch up in such a short time. But that answers your very question. Mm. Would that? Perch, definitely. I don't think you can go too big for perch. They've got that big bucket mouth. I reckon yeah. they've smashed a lot of really big things on top. So, no, that's good. I, I, I love that. I'd, I'd love to uh, hear some stories. <laughs> Quite often we get a lot of people messaging us through the through Instagram or through through the podcast, Brett, and we get some great feedback as to what, you know, we might say, oh, I wonder if this would work and people yeah. will tell us that they've done this and done that. So <laughs> I'd love to hear if anyone listening yeah. is, you know, what's the biggest lure you've thrown and let's broaden it. Let's at any species, really. Like I mean, like I yeah. said, some of the lures, soft baits, hard bodies that I see getting chucked around for flathead now are just enormous, and it's it reminds it's like they're chucking those huge cod lures around. But oh, it's yeah. getting big fish, you know. So we I'll, um we once threw GT poppers, real huge, big, heavy things, um, for salmon. And you, you go, it's the Brought most in fun. three at a time. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the most funniest thing. They go, like, go, smash, smash. There's like 12 behind it trying to grab it. And then next, 
Next thing, two get hooked up on it. Yeah, or one, and <laughs> oh, it's a they're a mighty fish, a small little aggressive thing, and, and they were grabbing these big GT poppers. I just that, that blew me away. You, you nearly can't cast because you got tears rolling out of your eyes. It's just the biggest fart there. So uh, maybe Perch should do the same. I've got another question that's something we've brought up on the show before, and this is a bit of a question without notice. So I hope you don't mind me jumping in ads, but. Something that Adam actually brought to the table a while back was, or not that long ago, um, we spoke about it in our live show actually, was the theory of fishing like you would with lures, as you do, but actually throwing baits. Mm. Mm. Is that, firstly, yep. I suppose it's a bit of a two-parter, is it something, is bait fishing something you do at all? Secondly, yep. if you do, do you sort of, I suppose, bring the technique of the lure fishing that you've crafted and mastered so well over the years into that when you're doing it? Geez, that's a great question, man, because I, I did this a, a, quite a while ago. Well, I first did it at Bem River. Uh, yep. I was having a tough gig with the lures and I was trying every hard body and soft plastic and and it was quite a while ago. And I had a bag of prawns I had with me and I'm thinking if I don't get fish on, on these lures, I haven't fished Bem a lot at that particular point. I'm going to use them prawns as backup. I want to catch fish. I'm going to catch them. And that proves that what I'm doing is wrong because I didn't have a sounder back then. And at least I know the fish are there. I can go back and do more sort of tinkering. So I put the prawn, no no fish on plastics really, a couple of squeakers. And I remember this day particularly and I'm thinking, nah, nah stuff it. I'm putting that prawn on. I'm going to chuck it on. Oh, I didn't bring any hooks. Well, i got jig heads. Oh, okay. Plastic off, <laughs> prawn on, out it goes. And, hey, look, it's like it's muscle memory. I've got to move it. I, I can't leave it out there. I mean, <laughs> so I didn't even know I was winding in. And it's, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, oh, that's right. And I'm bait fish. Oh, I'll keep it moving. Just see what I, oh, oh, clunk. I've got him. Wait a minute. He gra- so scent does work. It's got to be the scent. Yeah. <laughs> or does it actually, because it actually looks like a prawn. You know what I'm thinking? <laughs> Okay, now we've got to – so to test to prove you right, the theory right, you've got to chuck one out and leave it there. And it, it hardly got looked at. It didn't hardly get sniffed on. Mm. And I thought, oh, oh, first thing that came to my mind was those poor bait fishermen. <laughs> if only they knew to wind <laughs> to these. move it. <laughs> they've got to wind these suckers. It, yeah. Fuck them, I won't tell them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them to find it. So anyway – I love it. Long story short, out goes the prawns. Uh, fast rips didn't work as good, but slow winds. Oh, it worked all right. And then it was embarrassing because I thought, oh, shit, hang on a minute. The rule fools me. I can't get one on a lure yet. They got it every cast nearly. Um, so I've done it. Uh, I've, I've done a little bit of uh, whiting fishing the last four, three, four years. And, um, geez, I've enjoyed that. Geez, I've really loved that. I mean, whiting just, I'm a little bit, over it now but the early days I was those first few sessions on those whiting you just get so many they fight so hard they're finicky you put a bloody bit of bait on and, and your rod tip goes ding ding and the bait's gone and so it was a challenge but I got back to bait fishing that way Luke and and ads and I I don't oh, I don't recall having so much fun bait fishing so imagine good. imagine whiting lived in snags <laughs> yeah. Good one. Oh. How oh, good would they be? How, wow. Very good. What a sport. Oh, and yeah. if King George ate off the top. 
Oh, oh yes. now we're talking. Uh, and, yeah. I don't oh. think it's – Adam and I have had these conversations probably off air as well. I don't think too. it's that far out of the question. I've been doing a bit of – we've spoken about it a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. It was King George Whiting here in the Bay on soft plastics and I've had – Yes. I reckon twice – and I've only really started doing it last six months or so, but I reckon twice now I've retrieved the plastic thinking oh, I might need to change it or whatever and as yeah. it's come up to the top, I've had a King George Whiting come and swipe it off more or less off the top. So was now, both, he following it, or do you reckon he's yeah. reactionary bite, or is he like he's? No, the, well, the, what I what I have learned with that is they there are different species. Mm. One that when they're hitting a moving lure than a than a bait stationary, and it's it's crazy how different they are. I mean, we see that with a lot of species. I suppose snapper are a good example of that too. But yeah, yeah, I found they follow it all all the way to your feet or your kayak or your boat or whatever you're in, and and right. and. and you know, probably only fishing meter to two meters of water, so it's not like Small coming lures? up out of the depths. Little, little yeah, just like, like gulp packies. worms, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. see, and that's see the gulp worm. I wouldn't class that as a small lure. That's a four inch. Shit, that's a that's, four inch yeah. worm Can, with a with a curl tail, but it's not. It's actually got some girth to it as well. That's not a small lure, yeah. as far well, as well. Actually, to, to add cool. a bit of spice to that, I've been using seven inch. Oh, and, that's wacky! And tri- I'll admit, I trim trim it down a little bit, but it's probably no oh, an inch off at max. So it'd still be at least six inches. And that's a media one. Oh, that's that, wacky. that's not the same, say, thickness as a four inch version. That's got some extra no. weight yeah, behind chunky. it, some extra girth. Oh, and this that's... is exactly why. And and Brett, this is why you're the perfect person to have on for this partip- this particular sort of um, theory and and the way we talk about things. Never say never. If you said, and, yeah. and I know this for a fact, I have said it to so many customers over the years in my time working in a tackle shop. If you saw me in that shop five years ago and said, I want to target yeah. King George Whiting on soft plastics, I'd look yeah. at you dead in the eyes, stone cold serious and go, don't bother. Yes. It's not worth it. Get That's some pippies very true. and yeah. actually catch something. So we, we say, imagine King George Whiting hit poppers. They mm. might. Yeah, it's we just, don't. I think the hardest thing with a King George Whiting in a popper is going to be getting that lure to them when they're sitting in 30 centimetres to yep. 60 centimetres of water and not spooking them. Yeah, mm. and keep it up because it takes a lot of trial and error. It could be very tidally influenced. We know they bite on certain tides. Yeah. I don't know that size and technique would have much to do with uh, Adam, I don't know what you reckon about that too. It's... And what I found was because I fish blades a lot. You guys know that I fish blades, and particularly the sting blades with the stinger hooks. I love them, yeah. and I make my own stingers and and put them on at different blades. And I swear by those stingers um, for hookup rates because they're they're essentially a little circle hook. If you study those little octopus hooks, they're beautiful, and so you always nearly hook the fish on the outside of the mouths, and they're not deeply hooked in you, so you're not hurting fish. But what I found was whiting just go. They go freaking nuts over them. Like certain times, I'm coming home and I've caught 14 whiting on those blades, and I and I thought, and I have. Well, I know if you don't have the right bait for those whiting, you won't get not a one. Oh my God. Yeah, you, you know you've you've really got to. Well, I found, well I haven't done enough here. I am being an expert only three or four years at it, but. I, I no, just, but you can no. only. I'm the same. I'm in the same boat. I haven't done it for a hell of a lot of time. But you can only you can only talk on your own experiences, right? Yeah, so I yeah. think it's absolutely 
absolutely relevant what you're saying. Uh, it's really interesting. Oh, it's, I reckon it opens cool. up. They're the sort of fish that you could open up all sorts of different lures. I, I reckon there's a few yeah. people down this way that do them on hard bodies. Uh, yeah, the only yeah. challenge here is the weed. Like you're, you're fishing uh, in a lot of that grassy true. weed, which yeah. it's not as much of a problem with, with the soft plastics or anything. But if you're diving your sort of hard bodies down into there, you probably have a bit of an issue. But it still can be done if you're fishing you know, just specific sand holes or sand stretches or something like that. Someone uh, must have jigged those ginormous whiting like Tassie, South Australia, oof. like targeting a snapper even on a smaller blade or octo jig. There must have been stories. Someone must have a story where a big whiting's come up and snaffled that, surely. And you know, this is, I, you never hear or see it, but no. it, you're right. It must be true. It must be out there. And, and this is why, this, is, this gets me excited, talking about things like this because – like I said to you, it wasn't that long ago I would have I sworn to your face, don't yeah. use a plastic. And and yeah. I'm a plastics fisherman. I would prefer to use plastic over anything else, bait, hard, body, hard bodies, whatever it may, may be. I, I enjoy using plastics and that's what I'm comfortable with. Yes. I wouldn't have yeah. dreamt of doing it for King George Whiting. But this is the thing, yeah. as, as our... As we learn more, as we expand the thought process on what we can do, and then actually go and do it, and then start finding that perfect sort of that little bit of harmony between the yeah. theory and what the actual water wants to show you, and you reproducing it. Now, yeah. and, and not for a second am I saying that catching King George Whiting on poppers is going to be the most reliable next big thing. It's not, mm. but yeah. is is there parts of the year when? it might coincide with a spawning of the worm or a spawning yeah. of yeah. bass yabbies, which whiting might push high up onto the banks on certain tides, feeding on whether it be baby nippers or whether it be spawning worm, something where yeah. they lower their guard, where they're yeah. honed into this this thing where you can get to them in the shallow water, you can put a popper, because to them, a popper could be... A fleeing nipper. It doesn't yes. have to be a bait fish. We see the lure for what it actually looks like to us, and everything's based around being a minnow. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a blooping popper to a King George whiting when it's up on a spawning bed of a bass yabby could be a fleeing bass yabby. So, yeah. Yeah. is that a bit of the puzzle that we can actually make some sort of legit picture? Not yeah, just a, well, you'll never catch them on poppers. Well, let me put this question to both of you. What do whiting eat? Now, do when we get them home and cut them open, I've sometimes looked in their gut, not very often, I don't recall, but I don't like, you know, when you catch a trout, like, look at his, what's in his tummy? Oh, he's been feeding on beetles all this time. Oh, righty, huh? You know, or flathead, always got crabs in them, you know? And whiting, we fish pippies and mussels. Well, they got no teeth. How the hell you, what the, how it's, are they Brett, meant to eat? Perfect. I was going to say the what same the? thing. The two best baits that oh. we ever use for King George Whiting yeah. are pippies no. and mussels. What? That fish is not designed to open a pippy or a mussel shell. No, it, that's no. all the bait we use. I swear by them. So I've, I want to ask you guys, do you know what they eat? Probably in a similar boat as far as not really paying attention when I'm cleaning them or anything like that, but... I could only assume. I mean, I, I, I would, and I could be very well put in my place by someone listening, but I would hazard a guess that there'd be a bit of veg, vegetation in what they eat mm, as well. Could be. I don't yeah. think it's all 
you know, nippers or crabs or whatever it may be. I mean, the mouth parts tell you usually, don't they? Most species, mouth parts tell you what they eat, and that's right. And that's downward why, facing yep. sifter feeder, that, that vacuum it, it, sort of yeah. yeah. And I don't. It, that's why I don't think it's anything specific for King George Whiting. I think they would prefer to eat things, but again, look at their mouth. It's a tiny mouth, no mm. teeth, pointed down. Yep. They're a scavenger. But, yeah. And those the the you could all, there's probably only one thing that you could confidently say there definitely is on their on their menu and that's the worms that come out yeah. of the sand. Yes. Particularly around here. Yeah. And you know that it's 100%. a big thing for them. Oh yeah. Uh, and then and then you you just by the way they attack the the turtleback worms, you go, yep, yeah. that's what they eat. Yeah. Well, at, <laughs> yeah. time, at times they could just be eating algae off the weed. Yeah. Could be. Oh, Something that's not sure. hard, they can just roll around in the weed. You know, if there's not a if there's not a reliable, hardy food source for them, whether that be yeah. seasonal or whether it just be, you know, day by day. But I think you're, you're spot on, Luke. I think worms, that has to be. I think nippers, they're, they're prime target because a nipper, mm. you... Take away that that large claw, they are actually they're quite soft. They're not like a they're not like a crab. A, a whiting could slurp up a a nipper, give two shakes of its head, and that claw's mm. gone. They break yeah, up easy. So don't I they? think nippers yeah. and worms probably make probably make the most sense. It's and just Luke, really interesting the, that, um... that mussels and pippies are the two most popular bites. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those situations where they know they can't sure. have it, so once they see it, they're like, oh, we've got to get into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Luke, do you put the sting hook out the back? Have you got that? I don't, mate. Have you I tried that, what I... Alan does, Alan Bonici? No. No, I've, I've seen what he does, and it makes yeah. 100% perfect sense, and I just haven't done it. Uh, I you haven't was had talking to. to Lee Rayner the other day about this exact thing and he went home that night after that conversation and sent me a photo and he just rigged up a whole bunch of <laughs> jig heads with, with stingers on and ready to go. So there, oh. I've got absolutely no doubt in my mind that w- that would result in more hookups because you... Short takes, yep. You, oh, and you, you you go through three or four packets of turtleback worms, no drama in a, in a session. But I also, part of me, can you could argue that does would that affect the natural look of said worm if ah, there's a bit true. of a hook chain? A bit. I don't. I mean, Alan catches fish, so it, it obviously works. So yeah, I'm th- definitely going to give it a go. Yeah, I think. As yeah, long well, I've bought keep, the I've that, bought the gulp worms already. Yeah, with that stinger, <laughs> I think as long as you keep the whether you're tying the actual stinger out of braid or you know a light piece of mono, whatever it is, I think as long as that's loose, yeah, and the stinger hook is actually really small, like those small. number. You know, like a number eight or a number ten octopus, really fine gauge, like the little, fine almost gauge. like a trout hook. You know, essentially something really fine yeah. gauge, really small. I, I don't see because especially with a gulp. I mean, the, those gulps are quite dense, of plastic. They're not something mm. that's really yeah. insanely pliable. But I think as yeah. long as you keep that I've... that bit of leader or whatever you're tying the assist out of loose, because if it's yep. it's no different to rigging a pilchard in Port Phillip Bay for. For snapper, if that back hook isn't your lead hook, it's just going to fold the bait in half. Uh, yeah, a good mate of mine, um, James Russell, he he went and tried all this. He bought the gulp worms and he, he had a go and he said, oh, yeah, whiting smash him. There's no doubt about it. He said, but Brett, here's the problem. You need about three, plas- three packets of gulp plastics to get you through the day because you do get the whiting on them. But the nippers and everything else just absolutely love them. They see him as a sandworm as well, you know, and 
you're going to need a hell of a lot of gold. But you bought one packet. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. And well, I mean, the whiting, the whiting themselves rip them apart. But you're right. There's a throwing a you know a, a flathead or a toady or a leather jacket that grabs. Yeah. It, you know, it only has to look at it before before it's a rip apart. But <laughs> yeah. It, it oh, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a win win for um, the supplier of the that sort of particular plastic. <laughs> uh, sales are through the roof when when. It, but you'd sort of you you wear that because it's such an effective yeah. soft bait. So and it's exciting. Just, it's an exciting way to catch them. And yeah. you know, I think that again, I think that's a an underlying theme of this podcast with you, Brett. Is We've all seen times where it be bait fishing or, you know, even blade fishing is something that's, you know, got a bit of a negative name throughout lure fishermen because it's almost too effective. Go figure. That's how weird us as fishermen are. If (laughs) if something works too well, we're like, nah, no, it's boring. So, but it's about, we want to catch a fish, but we want it to be exciting. And if um, bait fishing for uh, you is exciting, yeah. go and bait fish your ass off. Oh, but 100%. us little fishermen yes. can teach you a thing or two. Yeah, yeah. If you see yeah, how yeah. we do it, you can take some of that stuff, implement it yeah. to your bait fishing, and yeah. oh, might improve I'm, your ra- catch I'm, rate. I'm, I'm stoked that, that Brett has had an example of the bait fishing using lure fishing techniques. I think that's exactly what we were trying to reach mm. in when we brought it up in a previous episode, Ed. So that's a prime example. Yeah. And yeah, it's the, the same with us. We see bait fishermen, yeah. hey, bait works. We're yeah, all lure yeah. fishermen yeah. here. We love it. That probably takes up, you know, 95% of all of our fishing trips are based around lures. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes a bait's just going to work. Just and I'd it. rather yep. catch something than catch fuck all. Because I do that way too much. (laughs) (laughs) And Luke, I want to get back on the blades because you particularly, because I know you've done the blade thing and you come away and thought, well, it was not for me. And and I I heard you too, Ads, were saying, oh, no, blades, that's a bloody bloody good thing, you know. So I I want to put this one to you, Luke. I I, I reckon um, if it weren't for blades, you could nearly chop my, you know, tallies of you know how i keep rolling tallies of how many perch and brim i've caught mm-hmm. nearly chop it in half right um but what i come to realize with blades is, yeah yeah they're easy and maybe you can give anybody a blade and they'll catch fish but i'd argue it's even easier with a soft plastic um because you sometimes you don't even have to move that soft plastic it's got the tail action and it's got the drop and then and it's always on the bottom sort of anyway, and it can be elevated up, and sometimes that's what they've needed. Um, but the blade thing, I reckon if anyone knocks blades, and and guess what? Heaps do. A lot of comp anglers like, just twist their nose up, no, nah, we don't need to go blading. <laughs> no, we didn't get them on blades. And I'm going, what the, what's this freaking, what? What's people talking about? I don't get it. Because no, I'm so far out of that comp scene, and I don't. Uh, probably fish with enough of these guys. I I didn't get the animosity sort of with blades, you know, and and I'm stacking up like I'm talking triple figures sometimes, perch and brim, rare. But if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it with blades. And I I go I, I still love them to death. Now people who knock blades, I don't reckon they fully get it. I don't think they're fully onto the the technique that's sometimes required and the fact that you know like old fish snags really sticky real deep structure close mm. in on the bank and um i'll take the hooks off 
the double the one double hook off the back and I'll drop that blade down and I'll search and search and then you because if you if you leave two trebles on you ain't going to do that long because a yeah, that blade's going to be gone and you're just going to get frustrated and you're going to say fuck this I'm out of here I'm just going to go you know throw hard bodies in there, whatever but what I found was doing this loop right in close with blades and straight down. Yeah, I left one double hook on, and quite often that's they're pretty snag resistant, but they're not snag proof. And I got a lot of fish, and still do a lot of get a lot of fish doing that. But when the when the bite's slow, particularly with brim, I'll take that back W off quick as a wink because you know no split ring, just dunk, straight off. Down goes a blade, tweak, tweak, tweak. And this is what I have discovered. Been doing this for about five or six years. Down you go, tweak, tweak, and you get this unmistakable. It's it's people would say, "How do you know you got the fish? What it could be a snag that you hit?" Oh no, it's the same as when it's got hooks. How many times have we missed fish when we've got two trebles on there, and you you feel that clunk? Oh, that's oh, I didn't. Oh, I dropped him. It's the same thing, and quite often because there is no prick in their mouth. They actually hang on to them, for, particularly brim. And perch mm. are grabbing them on the drop anyway quite often. But the brim will pick it up. And next thing, your lure is swimming off. And you've got a little bit of weight on it. And you're thinking, well, I don't want to upset him because I've got to get that back and put a hook on it. Right. <laughs> so the fish, it's unmistakable. And quite often, it's just a bump. And it's like it's a solid bump or it's a little and you instinctive. You go, hang on, wait, wait, wait. I think that's a brim. So I... And I, I'm telling you, it's uh, if you got 20 times, you drop it back down. I reckon they eat it again. 19. So you using so you're using blades with no hooks essentially no hooks. as a teaser, just to see if there's fish in the snag. And if you what get a bump, reading, uh, pop a hook to... on and feed it back because I haven't felt oh, a, yeah. a pinprick anywhere in their mouth. They're happy to eat it again. I reckon hardly ever miss on that second drop with the hook. Hardly ever. It's, Someone it's, write this down. <laughs> it's a ripper. It's a it's the best trick yeah, I've got in my wow. box. Yep. You know, and, and so... You know, you touched on something, Brett, and you might have nailed it. You, you said that the people who knock it don't get it to the point where there's a, there is a bit of technique involved. That might be me. I yeah. reckon there's every chance that I went into when it was kind of a bit of a thing for us back in, oh, probably way back in the tackle store days ads, and I probably thought it was going to be too easy. And it wasn't, and I went, well, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> These blades are shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Brett Geddes doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I, I can't wait to go fishing with a mate and take a blade out and take the hooks off and start casting it. And oh, watch it. it's what next yeah. And, and, yeah, in open water, sand and all that, you don't need to – I get all that. That's fine. But I love fishing the snags, and we all know where the big brim live and the big perch. They all – not always, but a lot of these systems we fish. And it particularly suits where I live. And one stream I'll, I'll keep, I'll tell you down, Latrobe, is where I really got this whole technique thing worked out. And the whole take the hooks off, dickhead, stop losing lures. I've got to <laughs> tackle back, and I used to get it. I nearly get all of them back actually, because one W comes off easy off a snag. Yeah, two trebles is a freaking nightmare. So <laughs> you've probably heard me talk about this before. I just don't suffer trebles anymore. You know, you bloke want if you guys want trebles, I'll send them. Just give me. I've got boxes full of them. So, <laughs> but look, and I they've got their place too. And you know, recently when I was using those uh, Daiwa spikes, I yeah, I left them on. Didn't matter, open water. But this particular thing with the blades, it's 
it's really special because I blow a lot of guys, but I said, take the hooks off. Just trust me. Put this on. Did you just say you blow a lot of guys? <laughs> I thought. It was- <laughs> well, they're brains. <laughs> okay, okay. Just wanted to clarify. <laughs> but if Sorry, you're doing that other, things, but, uh... <laughs> if, if you're doing that other podcast, uh, I want to blow you, baby. I'll, I'll, I'll be a special guest any time. I tell you, I tell you what. I, one thing I will do after this conversation, Brett, is I will, I will um, give vibes another crack. I will give it another yeah, go. I hope so. Because I can't. Get you, I can't sit here and listen to you talk about it and then still write it off. No, I'm, I'm going to get back into it, mate. Oh, and um, it's pretty special. I think that that's going to be on my list. Adam and I have got a massive list of things we need to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I tell you what, we need to wrap up. Um, one of the things on the list is going to listen back to this because, mate, thank you so much for all your insight <laughs> into everything that you share with us regularly too. Not just on the show, just in in general. We uh, and over the years, I've always had an absolute blast chatting to you, whether it be a quick chat on the radio or a chat on the phone about what's happening, mate. Uh, You're an absolute gentleman and an amazing angler and we we appreciate it. The recreational fishing sector appreciates it and I know you you do a lot more than just catch fish. You do a lot of of effort into, you know, a bit of research um, helps a lot of people. So thank you very much. Thank you for coming on the deep drop. It's been an absolute blast. I've really enjoyed that chat. And uh, you make me feel very humble, mate, because uh, very kind words. And uh, I'm actually at the stage in my life where I really enjoy giving back. So um, when you're ready, get that new kayak, mate. We're going. And that's... Oh, yes. Y- you just tell us where. Road trip. Where <laughs> Road trip. Game on. Actually, that that is at the top of the list. Road yep. trip. Let's make it happen. I can't wait to take all the hooks off my blades. <laughs> That's all Adam's yeah. going to do. That's all he's going <laughs> to do. And I promise you, I've caught fifty no. fish, and Ads hasn't caught one. <laughs> okay, well, that's but he doesn't care. <laughs> and I promise no blowing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mate. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks so much, Brett. Good Loved on you, it. mate. Cheerio.